0: Today's episode of Theoretically Speaking features Deepak Sahu from Alira Health. He joined us to answer some questions from a recent webinar where he addressed how important HEOR studies are for generating useful effectiveness data for successive medical technologies. Let's jump in. Okay, so the first question here is, who benefits from HEOR studies? Is it relevant to my fundraising efforts?
1: Yes. So first of all, it is quite relevant to your fundraising efforts because more and more investors we are seeing today because one of the branches of Alira Health is also on the investment banking side of work. The more investors we are interacting with, the more commercial due diligences we are doing on technologies, understanding of your health economic strategy is critical. Now, the level of data you have for your fundraising depends on the stage of the company you are. If you are a late-stage company and have not yet started collecting the data, that may put you at risk. If you are an early-stage company and you are working on those, will be great. Sydney, can you repeat the question? I think I forgot the first part of it.
0: Yeah, who benefits from HEOR studies?
1: So the benefit is the entire healthcare system. Your health economic study cannot just focus on a provider or a payer or your patient. You need to find a way to satisfy. The benefit definitely is for the for the device manufacturer too, because it helps you drive your utilization in the market and, in turn, the revenue and, in turn, the shareholders' value. But the benefit is overall, it gives an idea, it gives a tool for an effective decision making at each stakeholders within the organization or within the healthcare system.
0: Okay, thanks for adding that. All right, the next question here. Give us a real example of the project in any therapeutic area.
1: Let's take an example of home dialysis device, which is supposed, which is about to be launched next year in a limited commercial release, first in the transitional care units, then in the skilled nursing facilities, and then to the home care. The company is in the pre-commercial stage, has collected information on their particular device and reached out to say, if I am going in front of a transitional care unit or a skilled nursing facility as my limited commercial release, what data points we need to start collecting. We started by making a value proposition of that particular device and how is it different from other technologies available in the market. We reached out to the stakeholders involved. So, the target for them were skilled nursing facilities and transitional care units to present that value proposition and have some idea about the endpoints that we want to collect. We went to the payers and the patient associations also so as to provide a 360 degree view. Then the company went on to collect those data based on one or two centers. They did not have the budget to go and do a full-fledged clinical-powered study, because it's a budget impact based on that particular centers or centers economics. They collected the data under controlled IRP for a period of one year and provided the data to have a budget impact model. Then the value communication document was developed based to target those particular purchases, including peers and patients who will get informed during the process in order how that particular data points were being used. So this is a real example of a device which is yet to be released and is on a limited commercial release for the next year, getting engaged earlier to think about health economics data and talking to various stakeholders.
0: OK. Thank you for that. Great answer. The next question here is, can I use data collected outside of the U.S. for my HEOR?
2: Yeah, we work with a lot of clients that are coming from OUS to the U.S., and I think it depends, you know, if you're using the data for FDA purposes, the FDA still requires uh, to do the cohort in the U.S. to demonstrate the value of the Of the technology within the the US patient demographics. I think it is valuable. Some of the clients we have already have a lot of publications from all US peer-reviewed publications of their technology fitting within the specific workflow. But you know, we still recommend performing HUR studies with the US hospital system because again, as Deepak has mentioned throughout the presentation, is the payers are looking at what is the clinical and economic value that the technology brings to the u s healthcare system, so still the need to you know to demonstrate the value within the, the healthcare system as well as the providers because so sometimes the workflow and the processes are different than all u s circumstances
1: Thank you, Steffi. So it's a good starting point to have that in your initial negotiations, as Steffi rightly said. But you need to think about US healthcare system and designing a cohort in the US to help satisfy the HEOR needs.
0: Fantastic, yes. The next question here is, what would be your guidance for startups who are working on software as a medical device or SAMD, especially AI-driven models?
1: AI is a difficult space uh, to be commenting on right now. And that's because of two reasons. In all our recent projects we did in in AI, the one thing that we discovered is the taxonomy between FDA and the patient associations and the AMA is different. So it's a difference between predictive to associative to uh, assistive. So there is a lot of differences in terms of definition of that particular AI terminology. There is also a new White House guidance on overall AI effectiveness on the side of guidelines and principles in that particular domain. Having said that, we have seen only one AI technology in digital retinopathy that has the effect of getting a reimbursement or getting paid for, which is digital diagnostics. So, if you are a startup in the AI space and software as a medical device, my advice will be to start engaging with with the patient associations and CMS as early as possible. Because without that, you may find yourself getting too ahead. In the, in the development process without understanding the needs of the patient associations. Now, when it is a software as a medical device, you need to think about whether it is clinical decision support system or whether it is a therapeutic intervention or a clinical intervention on its own. It's a huge topic to be discussed on the digital health side Whoever had this question is a really great question. Encourage to reach out to us whenever you can. But for you, the first two stages of the process, understanding the patient pathway and engagement with multiple stakeholders is the best thing that you can do as a startup at the current stage. And people are open to listening to your ideas in AI. The market is quite receptive of understanding how AI in healthcare will change the future. But to have health economic models in order to do that has been quite difficult. You need to see digital diagnostic, heart flow, have to collect enormous amount of data to be successful in getting paid for.
0: Thank you for that answer. So the next question here is, what kind of budget is required for a multi-biomarker study as an example?
1: So I'll take it two ways. If you have a multi-biomarker study and it's a diagnostic study, we always encourage to do it retrospectively once you started selling the product because then you have more control over the data flow. As a diagnostic device, it's a lot of binary rather than getting different hands through. So your budget for the health economic trial may be less. Also, from a multi-biomarker, if you are planning proactively with your clinical trial and if you are going to get it through the FDA, generally diagnostic trials are shorter in time frame. So, if you include your budget impact or your cost minimization in the secondary endpoints, while you're doing your approach to FTA, maybe that is a mechanism to avoid the entire cost of doing another study on a a health economic trial. It's a process management part of it. So to answer your question, if you are thinking retrospectively and you already have an FTA approval, think about using your current clients as a source of collecting data. If you are pre-FTA, and you are about to submit uh, an FTA trial, think about using that particular trial platform to already start collecting HUR data. In that way, you can mitigate your budget-related concerns.
0: All right. Thank you so much for that. We have another question here. This question is, do you have an example where the value created greatly exceeds what reimbursement covers? And you providing a strategy, plan, and execution to change reimbursement? It's a long question, so I'll just start with that one.
1: A value beyond reimbursement covers, yes, because reimbursement pays for your device, utilization drives your volume. Even if you have a particular reimbursement amount set, a health economic study drives your utilization and hence provides higher value from a business perspective. Okay. The second part, ridney you talk about that?
0: Yeah, so the second part of the question this person mentions, particularly in di- diagnostics where new technology has greater sensitivity and specificity, is it a lower cost to administer and provides greater long-term cost savings from diagnostic information, so treating early avoids disease and events.
1: I could get some gist of it, Sydney, but let me try to rephrase that. We have seen in the market a lot of new diagnostic technologies that has boomed over the COVID-19 pandemic. Since the industry was liquid and there is a lot of need and, and, and diagnostics is a clear need of coming with different technologies which have higher sensitivity, specificity, and has long-term benefits. What the technologies forget about is how do they fit in the current clinical guidelines? Because if you are thinking about changing a guideline, it's a matter of huge data, huge engagement, and in general, five to six years of effort or not less than that. So your diagnostic technology may be path-breaking, may do something else, but there is a reality of medical care outside that you need to also take into consideration of fitting into the technologies. So there's not a silver bullet to this particular answer, but if you are a good diagnostics and you are providing benefits in terms of short-term triaging properly and long-term quality of life, think about what you are competing against, what their price looks like, Are the clinicians satisfied with the information they have? And I will tell you an example. We worked on a cardiac OR, diagnostic technology, that would help you point towards which blood products to use in real time. And we thought that's a silver bullet. That's going to decrease the number of transfusions. That's going to help utilize the blood products well. And it's gonna solve, it had an economic value, it had a clinical value too. But think about from from a cardiologist, from a cardiac surgeon perspective, where the degree of error in an open heart surgery and that they can live with is higher. So in that, they did not need that real time clinical data to take any decisions. So they can live with that particular, the patient outcomes were not getting that dramatically impacted, even if you have less amount of transfusions, you claim to have less amount of transfusion. So my point over here is maybe your diagnostics has the best sensitivity, specificity, good budget impact, better life, better quality of life. Think about the medical care and where you fit in the current management in the system.
0: hope you enjoyed this episode of Theoretically Speaking and that you'll tune in to future episodes where we chat with pharma value, evidence and access experts. Don't forget to subscribe.